This is CliffCentral.com. Uh, welcome. What? Well, not welcome. It's your podcast too, I suppose. But, you suppose? Uh, do you? Well, welcome to the listeners. Welcome to the listeners. Uh, pre-recording a little bit in advance, so we don't know what is the topic of the day currently, or if uh, the world you, will be here at all. Yeah, you probably still love Pravin for plunging us into a recession. I mean, I love Pravin. You don't love Malusi for taking us out of recession. No, that's actually a good point because I mean, I just saw the GDP quarterly figures. We increased two point five percent since 2. March. 4, two point four. We are a factual show, Ramon. So as soon as Pravin gets the boot, the economy does a lot better. Yeah, so I'm going to uh, take Malusi Kigaba. Yeah. As the economic, mm. adv- uh, whatever, Minister of Finance in chief extraordinaire yeah. for all the work he hasn't done. Because the less he does, the better we do, apparently. Unlike Praveen, the more he does, the worse we do. Well, the bottom line is you have uh, to choose between a clueless guy uh, and a communist. And no, but choose the clueless guy every time. But you're choosing a guy who knows that he's clueless. That's the key. <laughs> yeah, he he does have that advisor who's like somehow got a professorship at Wits and and has these weird, weird ideas. Oh, the one who goes to Black First Land First and gives a speech about potential yeah. violence. It's, it's funny these advisors that they always get. It's like, it, it, I think the most ridiculous one was that guy at the SABC who was blind and deaf, um, but was the head of the board. Was the head of the board, yes, of the, of the SABC. <laughs> well, he was blind, to be honest, not just not Not, not deaf. deaf. So no. he could hear the radio so stations. Hear, of course, the the incredible quality of, of, of those radio stations that are like lis- literally losing listeners like flies. It's uh, it's it's but couldn't see any of the content, so that's why SABC one, two, and three are now unwatchable. I haven't watched TV in years. I cancelled DSTV about four years ago, hmm. and I haven't watched SABC in about twelve years. And I think I owe them like three and a half thousand rand for TV licenses <laughs> or something. Yeah, I'm so, on yeah. the same. I'm on the same boat. Not as as, as much of TV license, but uh, also cancelled DSTV. Haven't watched SABC in years. Uh, yeah, it's all Netflix and uh, Chill Cody. Chill. Yeah, not so much chill, unfortunately. <laughs> Life sucks. Uh, <laughs> let's get straight into it then. Um, so this week, as a request from our listeners, uh, as Ramon hits the mic, this very professional show, we have a film director in studio, a good friend of mine by the name of Miguel Bellona. And uh, he's been in the industry for about 15 years, involved in various parts of it, but let him get into that. Uh, As Jonathan still, hits the mic. Still Ramon hitting the <laughs> mic. Um, and welcome to the show, Miguel. Yeah, thank you, thank you. How's it, guys? Yeah, good, good. Yeah, so, good. So, I mean, let's talk about it. I mean, are apartheid films still like something to, that are being made? Um, I, I, really? I wouldn't say apartheid films, um, but a strong part of our, our film output is... I would call the social guilt output um, where, where we're talking about a lot of a kind of social engineering and it's kind of look at what we've done, look at your past. And I agree. I think that that's, that is an important element, but it, it can't be the only element, you know? Um, well, no, I think it's called propaganda, which the state does <laughs> or tries to do quite well. But no, I thought creativity would be about, well, I don't know, creativity. Yeah, you look, uh, uh, I think you can broach many different subjects in a creative manner. Um, 
if you want to talk about social engineering, one, uh, a clever way that it's been done in American films um, and well, international films is things like zombie movies, which which actually talks a lot about racism and sexism and um, you know social problems, but does it through monsters way. eating people. You but, know, but, it's, um, but film does that, right? So film is some archetypal stories and uh, characters. Uh, just repeated endlessly, essentially, and and you can tell a whole bunch of things in a nice, entertaining fashion. The problem we have, and I think you know, the listener that asked the question originally, I think, was referring to why don't we have anything entertaining coming out of the South African film industry? Why aren't we producing really good stuff? Uh, and I, I don't even know what we've produced in the last two, three years. I haven't been paying attention. What what's coming out? Well, that's the problem. Is that um there isn't enough exposure for, for our movies, um, but the actual film output, if you actually go and look at them, a lot of them are carbon copies of American movies. Um, that's a problem. There was one recently, I can't remember the title, but it was basically Keeping Up with the Morgans, repackaged with South African people, and it was literally the exact same movie, but done a lot worse, to be honest. It wasn't shot very well. It wasn't performed very well. Um, but to be fair... What we've got is a perception problem from from the producers, the guys who finance the movies and the guys who, who, who take the movies and give it to the creatives to make, um, as well as an audience. Um, you know from film school, for example, uh, how when you pitched a film, we were always told, this is a South African film. You can't make sci-fi. Can't yeah. make aliens landing no, in Germany. No, no, they literally told me that in front of the whole class. I presented a film in second year, and uh, quite a cool sci-fi story. In fact, uh, that movie with with Tom Cruise. That's um, that's exactly the point. I it? made that movie about ten years before. Uh, in fact, before that script had even so been written. Which movie? Edge of Tomorrow. Edge of Tomorrow. Oh, that lived I repeat. Yeah. yeah. So, so yeah. I made a short film. It was a ten-minute film. Uh, pretty cool. We went and we we found a mine dump somewhere, and we uh, we dug trenches. And the the story that, that I wrote um, was essentially and and directed um, was that this guy uh, is uh, fighting in this war, and basically he dies, and they keep bringing him back. And as long as you don't get shot in the head, um, they keep bringing you back to fight in this sort of never-ending war. Um, and you know it ends with him. Uh, Sort of putting one in his head, um, which, yeah. oh, which, spoiler alert. which, uh, <laughs> I mean, yeah, because clearly you're going to go rent this tonight, but, <laughs> but, but, um, but back to the point, they, sorry, they, yeah, they, they turn around, we presented the film, it was relatively entertaining, I think, uh, for what it was, it was a second year film school, 10 minute short, uh, and the main criticism of it wasn't, look, uh, we don't like what you've done here, we don't like the filming, we don't, no, none of that, no, no, you cannot make. Sci-fi in this country. Aliens don't land in Joburg. <laughs> this was well before District before 9. Before District 9, and we'll discuss District 9 now, now, but that is exactly the problem is that you can make these movies here. You know, um, if you look, if Australia decided in, the, in 1979 that, you know, Mad Max can't be made, we can't make post-apocalyptic movies because only Americans can make it, we would never have Mad Max. No, but what is the reason for saying you can't make sci-fi? Does it have to be a South African story all the time? Because, I mean, a lot of sci-fi films and series actually come to South Africa to film here. Yeah. You know, I, I, <laughs> and then honest, take I think the it's a self-esteem issue. You know, I think that they just think that we can't do it. Uh, I, I think it's actually 
this feeling that we can't do it right. I mean, that is something that, that they've mentioned is that you, we can't do it right because we don't have the budget or we don't have the money. And I'm like, you don't need the budget. You just need to be clever at, at making a movie. Look at Signs. Yes, Signs had a, had a budget because it had Mel Gibson and it had whatever. Um, but as a, as a film, it was a very clever approach to things. It was You never saw the alien until the end. You didn't have to see the alien until the end. That movie could quite easily be made in South Africa. Quite easily, you know. You just need a really good cast and Brackpan, and and, and Brackpan, um, Brackpan. You don't need to actually put any sets up or hire actors. You just say, "Oh, yeah, yeah." And um, I mean, uh, if you look at Neil Blomkamp, I mean, he was making those shorts. Uh, well, the things, the, the the shorts that eventually became Chappie, which. Uh, and That's then, a great and then, film. Uh, <laughs> it? I actually did enjoy it. Oh, you must be the only person yeah, on earth. I actually wanted to walk out of that film. I was so disappointed with it. No, but, the unwind ruined it. But other than that, it was fun. But, but the man can shoot great action. Um, now, District Nine, he, he, he was making those shorts as well. I mean, I watched those shorts way before District Nine even was a thought. You know, and I thought, man, this is sick. Th- we can make these movies. Yeah. Neil Blomkamp had to go overseas to make those movies. You know, it's, it's something that we kind of, we've just kind of appropriated. And it's just like, it's a South African movie. And it's like, not really. First of all, he's moved to Canada when he was 18. Um, he made his career there. Uh, the, 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 the ad that really blew him up was that Citroen dancing car ad. I don't know if you remember that little car that transformed. That went, that yeah, transformed. You know, so, and that really yeah. blew him up as a filmmaker. Um, and got him the got him uh, the, well got the attention of Peter Jackson who who then asked him to pitch on Halo. Um, he made a short of Halo um, and and that bombed out. Uh, and then Peter Jackson because he basically had promised him or some that and, and he really believed him as a filmmaker. He hooked up thirty million dollars and said, "Yeah, let's go make District Nine. Um, so it was fin- financed by a New Zealander using American money yeah. with a South African that had left. Ten years ago, and they only used local actors for some roles and yeah. locals um, location. Yeah, I mean, look, a lot of the actors were South African, which 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 was cool. Um, only Sholto really stood out for me. Um, I mean, he was amazing. He carried that movie from beginning to end. Um, but that's not a movie that we would have made yet, and it's a movie that we could have made yet. I mean, that movie grossed two hundred million dollars plus worldwide. That's without DVD sales, without anything post i mean that's just the box office mm. you know we could have made that and we could have made it for a lot cheaper than 30 million dollars so are you saying the south african film industry suffers from like a self-esteem issue basically like we 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 don't actually trust ourselves to make good stuff i, I don't uh, yeah I, I don't believe that we we it's, and, and like i was saying it's, it's about perception you know right. it's it's not just the producers who have have this problem i mean i I've taken many genre movies to producers. I've got horrors. I've got sci-fi. I've got fantasy. I've got action. You know, when I start putting these out to people, they're like, but we can't do action. We can't do these things. On the same note, you go to speak to any kind of general audience member, South African audience member, and say, you know, do you want to watch a South African movie? The first thing that goes like, ugh. You know, like you really have to sell a South African movie very well. To get them to buy into it, for for some reason, the perception of our audience isn't great. Yeah, I mean, but why, why say it's a South African movie? Just say it's a fucking great action movie. Like one of the good ones that I watched was a movie called Jerusalem. Oh, 
probably my favorite South African film. Right. That and Gums and Noses, which I loved. Fantastic. You see, fuck, we're getting along well so far. Um, <laughs> I mean, Jerusalem was technically, was, was about hijacked buildings in Hillbrow and they filmed it on set. They had helicopters with police, like SWAT officers. It was a great action thriller movie. And it's I currently think, what uh, Herman Mashaba is using as inspiration. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. The springboard to his policy. <laughs> and I think it made money. I, I hope it made money, but it was a great film, local I, production. I don't, I don't think it yeah. made a lot of money. It's, it, 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 it no. cost a fair amount. Uh, I mean, I'm not 100% sure about the, the box so, office. So I, I believe can, it was about 12 bar. Almost no South African films like uh, make money. They, they, if they, doing well in South Africa is, is break even. The only person who makes money or used to when he was allowed to do um, blackface is <laughs> Leon Schuster. Yeah, but Leon Schuster and Afrikaans romantic comedies. Yeah, so well, the Afrikaans community does support their own stuff. Massive. So, so they they can make a profit. But in general, films that are not targeted at a specific market, they're just releasing a film in any South African. It's kind of, I mean, you would always target somehow. So you would say, well, an action film, for example, is going to appeal to sort of 18 to 32 year olds and, you know, mostly more males and females and all of that kind of stuff. But, you know, in terms of, sure, the Afrikaans community has gone, we're going to target Afrikaans community. But if you weren't targeting just specific language groups or cultural groups, you wanted to make a film for all South Africans, um, a film for also. What are you on about? <laughs> how, do you, how do you do marketing <laughs> then? No, you have but to discriminate. You would, you would, you would make a film that any male South African might want to see. Mm. The majority of male South Africans, for example, in that age group for eighteen to thirty-two, will go watch a Fast and Furious film. It doesn't matter whether they come from the Eastern Cape or Gauteng, and they will enjoy that film and they'll pay for it. Um, so that's that's what I'm talking about. And films that are made with that in mind. Uh, Unfortunately, we, we haven't had much success. We've had um, award success, which is another problem, is that uh, films will go to the Oscars and win an, Os- win an Oscar or we've had individuals who've gone and won awards at Oscars and things like that. Uh, but awards don't translate to audience. Mm. Uh, it's no. Definitely not in this country either. You know, in the U.S., if you – you can be an unknown film that then wins an Oscar and suddenly you're back on the circuit and everyone's watching you. But that doesn't happen here. No, and, and also a, a lot of a lot of good movies actually did kind of disappear. I mean, I don't know if you've seen Number Number. Um, uh, Donovan Marsh, I think it is, because he, he, he did Spud. He did the Spud movies, yeah, which, made, right. which made good money. It was based on a, you know, on a book. It was a, it was a known property, and they were very clever in that they and said, they okay, John, please, mm. we need a name. You know, we need something that can sell internationally, and that's, and that's how they did that. And Don, uh, Donovan Marsh um, did a number, number, and wow, like really stylistically um, – it was the first time that I've really looked at even Jerusalem. Like I, it was really nicely shot. It was shot on film, and it was just, it was really you know competently made. The action yes. was realistic, and it was very cool. But stylistically, I never looked at it and thought, "Wow, man, this is a, this is pushing the limits oh, of no. South African film." You watch a number, just even just watch the opening sequence of of a number number with the guy tied tied to the chair and with the lighter. It's incredible the way he shoots it. It's such style. But that movie made, I think, seventy thousand. At the box office, yeah, it cost over ten bar to make. Well received overseas. The Americans bought it. Bought it. I mean, they bought it to remake, basically, um, the rights to it. Um, I'm not sure if they've done anything with it, but it was immediately taken up. Over here, the problem with that movie was marketing. You know, it was really, really poor marketing. Um, 
And that's also another issue with South African rules, right. and we'll get we'll get. So, <laughs> so there's a perception, there's a lack of self confidence. Um, budgets, of course, are an issue. I mean, you can't have a ten million dollar movie made from a local for a local production. I mean, it's you're not going to pay 160 million rand to make no. a movie here, no. which is. But it, to be fair, you don't need 160 yeah. million rand. No, you don't. You no, know, you don't. True. Um, there's a there's a. a a feature film that I've been pitching now, um, I mean, it's, it's, it was very well received by the Americans. I mean, yeah, it hasn't been that well received. I mean, I've sent it out and I've got, uh, Mandler. Oh, yeah. Um, oh, which epic. was, which was a, a, it's a, it's an epic fantasy film based before even Sharka, like just about the Zulu warrior and his journey that he takes across the country to, to save his village and his child. Um, and sending it to Americans, they loved it. You know, um, but when I sent them their budget and I said, this is what we need. And they, they actually scoffed, you know, like I, you know, I was asking, I was asking for, I think it was, uh, just over a million dollars, maybe a million and a half at the time. And they came to me and they said, we don't take anything below three million seriously, you know, really? like, but bump up their budget to three million and we can start talking because that's kind of their entry level. Um, one million to five million dollar movies is like direct to video. So they've got massive amounts of money, but we don't need that kind of money to make those movies. Yeah, that's an epic movie, and we budgeted at 15, 16 million rand. That was going across the country, um, traveling, uh, low special effects and animals, and we had all sorts of kind of things. But you, so you, bottom line is you don't need that much money to really make a quality, a quality film Yeah, because everything's kind of cheap. And especially now uh, with technology, we can shoot 4K Footage. I mean, you could shoot on your iPhone. if you really wanted to shoot. You could shoot on your iPhone. I mean, or have you seen Tangerine? Uh, I haven't seen it, but I've seen bits and pieces, and then yeah. I just went with into nightclubs. Very and, good film about a three transgender uh, sex prostitutes, sex workers. It was filmed on four iPhone fives. Uh, just uh, and they just didn't have filming permission. They just walked around Los Angeles with these iPhone fives in low light and during the day and at night, and no like real team behind it. And it was a great film. It cost a hundred thousand dollars to make, mm. and you can do it. Oh, Blair Witch, you know, like why can't we look at things like Blair Witch and say, how, but that was the genre once again. Yeah, we're not willing to make horror movies, or willing, willing to pitch them. I mean, if you look at the list of movies that we made, if you look in the eighties and nineties, now taking out the social structures at at the time, like let's ignore that. If you look at those movies, we were pumping out movies in the eighties, ridiculous movies, and and horror, thriller. Action, comedy, you name it. We were pumping them out. If you look last year at what we pumped out, yeah, a lot of movies. I mean, we've, we've grown back into releasing quite a few movies. We make romance, comedy, drama. That is it. And usually it's just a combination of those. So it's a rom-com or it's a dramedy or it's a romance drama. That's it. We're not pumping out anything else. Um, and I think that's also stymies the creative element of i mean there are filmmakers who want to do this that's why they're going overseas that's why neil blomkamp's going overseas that's why gavin hood is going overseas he wants he wants to do sci-fi he wants to do action you know yeah he wants to do wolverine right yeah yeah i mean you want you want to do those movies have the budgets do the big stories you know and not be told oh you can't do it because you're south african and we are like that's you know i don't buy it people want to watch those movies but we do have obstruction as well I, i mean i remember pitching we came up with a a series it was it would have been a tv series a mini series um and the was it called the coconuts <laughs> no it wasn't it had nothing to do with race <laughs> it was um this novel idea about how 
politician had taken control and was very corrupt and was stealing a lot. <laughs> um, this was what, 2006, I think, or something like that. And, uh, and, a vigilante decides to so this this guy's uh, wife and kid get killed essentially so a typical sort of story and he he goes vigilante um and he he find to find the people who killed his 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 wife and daughter and finds this entire ring and the ring is obviously run by this guy uh and it was really either it was really cool it was a it would have been a number of um episodes um and yeah, there just there was there was a lot of like interest, but as soon as it it got to the point of let's do something about it, it was like mm, yeah, it's it, it's a little bit too adventurous. Were some of the comments, you know? Um, and so, the, the, as much as perhaps the audience and filmmakers have a confidence issue, there's not a lot of buy-in from the powers that be. Mm. Uh, they want to make. You know, they, whatever, Big Brother, and at the time, and and that's what they want to spend their money on, um, yeah. bo- boring, boring shit. In fact, there was that Emmet. Um, it was an Emmet series close to the same time, uh, which was meant to be like this drama action series. Um, it was the most expensive um, TV show uh, that on, had on ever the game farm somewhere. I think, I, was it the Wild or what was it? Yes, no, 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 that's no, what no, I'm no, no, long before the Wild. No, no, that was that was um, uh, a soap opera. Uh, there was there was another one years back. Uh, there were it was like 20 million rand or something they had budgeted for like 18 episodes. It was huge. I mean, that's huge money for South African for a South African show. Uh, 60% of that ended up going to like the producer into their pocket and the main actress and whatever. Um, but. Uh, it just uh, it, it it was sold as this really action series, and I think there were like two scenes where there were guns, you know, in the entire like eighteen episodes or sixteen episodes, whatever it was. Uh, so there's just there's there's no real belief, um, and then we do have a problem with budget because if you look at shows overseas and and what they're paying per minute for the shows, I mean I haven't done it for a while, but it was what three and a half thousand dollars, four thousand dollars a minute. Well, I mean, you've, well, I mean, okay. Game of Thrones is huge. Yeah. Um, but even their budget is actually quite small in comparison. I mean, their budget for Game of Thrones per episode is now probably it's it's peaked above. But uh, for the first four or five seasons, it was actually cheaper to shoot an episode of Game of Thrones than it was to shoot an episode of West Wing. I mean, West Wing was one of the most expensive shows in America, and. That cost more, and that was the sets. I mean, you paid for names, just based on the actors, on actors. That's or, you know, and and I mean, it's it's astounding. But yeah, I mean, look, you also got to speak relatively, and and um, they have far bigger audiences. You know, Americans are selling to the world, you know, and that's also something that we don't do. You know, um, we don't sell to the world. We try to make our movies very contained. You know, and this is about us and and whatever. And and yes, but. Any movie that has South Africans in it with, with a genuine, sincere South African approach to something will be a South African movie. Yeah. You, you, well, you know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, that's the, uh, logically, that's, that's what it is. If it's, um, if it's an alien that lands, and this is why that, that uh, it was a problem with being told, no, you can't do this. But if an alien lands here, it's how do South Africans deal with an alien? Right? We've got different ways. Put an alien in the south of Joburg. <laughs> you know, you're going to get somewhere, hey, but, you know, like, come on, some, Oak is going to try and take him out, whatever. Yeah. 
that's just how we operate. You've got to see how do we operate in those situations. You could make a diehard movie here, but then put a guy that's South African and, and make him bring the South Africanisms and you can talk about those issues, but we can make a diehard movie easily. Yeah, because I, I was trying to think which South African series has actually been shown or, or is available on something like Netflix. I can't think of any for the moment. But I watched um, Fauda, which is an Israeli series about uh, counter-terrorists and terrorists in the West Bank. And it's, a, it's an inherently – it's a series about Israel and the West Bank. But the biggest question in the series, as everyone asks, are you Jew or are you Arab? Because they can't actually tell the difference. Half the time. That's the point of the series. Mm. Like, are you actually, the ideologies are different, true, but you got these Israelis going in undercover or in broad daylight in, um, what's the capital of the West Bank? Ramadan or something. Ramallah. Ramallah. And, and no one knows they're actually Israelis, special forces. But those, the themes contained within the series are fairly universal. So you can localize them mm. in terms of location. But the themes are quite universal. It's like, are we actually enemies or actually are we more similar than we think or which ideology is worse than the other? But there's no South African thing to that. Like, it would be cool to have a series about, I don't know, farmers and the communities around farms or something to that effect where it appears to be this antagonistic thing, but maybe it's not. Or even a documentary series about that. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of interesting stuff, you know. Um, and it's just about how do we – Package it, and and we're not getting that. Uh, uh, talking about Afrikaans movies, and we were talking about like what's what's um, uh, what sells, you know. And sixty five percent of last year's box office was Afrikaans movies in this country. Right, sixty five percent, two thirds of the movies. I mean, can you name one Afrikaans movie? No, <laughs> I can't. Just the stuff. Uh, what's names uh, written? Um, and I forget his name. Hank. Hank, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But even him, he's moved overseas. But, but what did he yeah. do right? He, he, he took Hollywood formula movies. Yeah. And, made and them he made them South African. Bakhat is. That's the one I was thinking of. It, uh, that is a hundred percent like the, the, um, American Pie. Uh, not American Pie. So it's, you know, take the nerd and change it into the whatever. And then he's the rugby player. And, you know, it's like, it's such basic high school. Uh, um, right. type of film that, that he's just taken age. that structure. Yeah, yeah, he's just taken that structure straight from it and just put South Africans in it and it hit the market. And if you look at all these South African movies, you know, the last one I watched, I think, was the one with a wine farm. I can't remember what, what it was called. With the, yeah, the, the, the guy. The ad and they're pretending yeah. to be together the and you're like, okay, this, yeah. how many, uh, how many American rom-com movies are based on that structure? So right. all they did was take that structure. Put South Africans into it. South Africans saw that the Afrikaans market. Okay, the Afrikaans market supports their market 100%. They completely separate to like we. We don't judge a movie and go, oh, we don't want to watch it because it's whatever. Afrikaans guys are, yeah, cool. It's an Afrikaans movie. I yeah. want to watch it. You know, they, yeah. I want to support that industry. And that's why they do so well, even in their music. You know, they're a small portion of the, the, the market. But yet those movies are making consistently 8 to 10 million yeah, I mean, rand many, at the box many like proper, well, not proper Afrikaners. How many Afrikaners are in the country? Three, three million, three and a half million? Afrikaans maybe? monopoly capital. That's yeah. What that's 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 they're controlling the cinema. They con they're controlling the propaganda you see on cinema screens, it. man. Um, but the problem with those movies is they don't sell internationally. No. You know, we make, they make Afrikaans movies. You make that 8 to 10 million rand. You sell it to DSTV. Maybe you might. I mean, like uh, um, even Schuster's movies. You know, the, Germany sometimes buys his, his films. I think they bought Mr. Bones, and um, outside of that, his movies don't travel either. Um, yeah, well, you make shit loads of money here. To be honest, well, I, I mean, it makes more than enough. I mean, yeah. those movies gross differently between twenty to thirty million mm. every time he releases something. Mm. It makes um, 
Um, and I, I mean, they're not great movies, but he's got a brand. You know, that's that's what people buy into. It's a Schuster movie. I mean, before people got work, of course. He hasn't made a movie since people got work. Have you noticed? Well, I have indeed. Yeah. Actually, the last one, what was that? The Buddies, Happy Buddies, or something. Oh, oh, I don't know. Too terrible. I don't but, watch anything. Yeah. But, but I think the 2010 Soccer World Cup he made one. I don't remember anything after that. I think uh, Bones was his last sort of big one that did really. No, but that's, yeah, that's really still well. like a record. Yeah, Bones and Bones too were 36 the two biggest, bar, I think. biggest earning. I recall. 36 million, I think. Yeah, it was. It made. It, it is the biggest movies in the country. I think uh, I mean, that, that, uh, Titanic that, maybe is. That says a lot about us as a people. When Mr. Bones is your <laughs> best grossing movie ever. But, but yeah, it's just like a brand that seems to have somehow survived and become like a cross culture thing. Or slapstick comedy. Yeah. And, I, I and think it's safe. Camera. I think I think most people accept that that's funny. And I'd say for a lot of different people. Yeah. You know, I would assume. And I, and the big thing about the Schuster movies that you always hear people say is, um, you know, we like to laugh at ourselves. You know, that's the thing. And like, okay. So that's why those movies do well. You know? um, they're very safe, and, and there's the space for those. But, oh, sure. but the idea is that if, 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 if Leon Schuster can make 30 million rand from a movie, if you just make a movie that can appeal to the same kind of broad market, we can be making those 30 million rand movies all the time, but we need to support our film industry. Um, but we also strangled a lot, you know, talking about – Blockades. So who who are the middlemen here? Who are like sort of blocking? Yeah, I'm, who, not, I'm not saying I'm not saying that there's like a a, a massive Illuminati scenario mm, where people mm. are like strangling innovation and all yeah, that. Yeah, but yeah, what yeah. are the, what are the on the ground? Well, the Illuminati is the government, and they have these <laughs> things called regulations. I thought it was the UN. Um, but what are the things like on the ground? If you go to a meeting with a producer, like why do they make the decisions that they do? I mean, economics comes into it, right? Yeah, I mean, I assume yeah. they do marketing. Like, ah, oh, people don't like sci-fi. I sort of accepted they don't like sci-fi. But what are the real um, things that you have to deal with on the ground when trying to finance a, a, a documentary or a movie? Um, well, we can talk about the kind of institutions that we've already got. Like, okay, we've got the NFEF, okay, um, which is supposed to be our, our access to film funding through the government, you know. Um, the problem with the NFEF is that, personally, I don't believe that their mandate is to grow the film industry. I think their mandate is to serve what the government needs them to serve. You know, they need to f tick the boxes. A government bureaucracy is, is, a, is a mouthpiece for the government. I am <laughs> shocked. absolutely shocked. Shocked. Uh, that's a twist I've never would have seen. Yeah, you know, um, you it's, know, it's I, like on par in the sixth I, sense. I, I just, you know, I, I kind of try to be like this positive, optimistic person who believes in the best in things and. And it's not, and, and a lot of the money that they, NFEF, I mean, you can go, it's not like it's a secret. I mean, they were misappropriating those funds. People were buying Land Rovers and other nonsense with it, um, spending money to go to film festivals for seven days and flying business class and first class. You can't, and, you you know, can't film festival. Yeah, you know, they were, they were using those funds um, in, in, in bad ways. Um, and they were just making bad decisions because they were basing their, their selection criteria not on the film. But rather on what boxes they ticked, you know, like what can we get, you know. Where's the diversity checklist, right? Yes, you know, you've got to make sure this is what it is. Um, which ironically, even like we're talking about Mandler, everything about that movie the, the, is, is um, 
checks the diversity checklist. Yeah. I mean, everything, Absolutely. all the cast is black. Except well, the fact that the director is half white. Yeah, you know, that well, was, <laughs> you know, I'm from the South of China, <laughs> Um, I'm from the south. So I can, showered in I a can say, of I can. Days. I mean, don't give the oak such a hard time. You're a bit more olive than, yeah, than a little bit more olive. Yeah. But, uh, um, but you know, and even when we spoke about it, you know, I wanted to use uh, school kids, uh, school choirs as as on the soundtrack. I wanted to try go into each one of the environments, and we travel with a small crew, and we use people that are there to help, and and you know, so that we can try and spread the funds, and you know, really use it as a as a as a growth exercise for for the industry um but they they were hung up on the fact that the writer and the director was not checking the boxes oh so i was right okay so the fact that you are a certain hue yeah determines that you can't get funded which you know and i i understand that you we need to we've got social ills that we need to fix but but you can't also stop progress because of that it also is that it's art is an area where you have to have a meritocracy because you, 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 you simply cannot teach someone to do art. They either can or they can't. So you can try the sort of social engineering. It still won't work, but it works far better if you want someone to stamp envelopes because you can teach anyone to stamp an envelope. But to make a movie is a different kind of skill. You can't, you can teach it to, to a level, but the people who are really good at it are good at it because they have natural talent. Um, and that has nothing to do, obviously, with, with race or gender or anything like that. And unfortunately, when they try and manipulate that, I think that is a large reason why we, we don't have better stuff being made because people are too caught up in, you know, all of the, the identity politics. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, that, that is an issue. Um, a funny story with the NFEF. Uh, the, um, and one of the things, there was a guy who, who pitched a movie. Um, I, I don't recall his name. Uh, they they were close to approving. I mean, it was a massive budget that they were close to approve the Sky script. Apparently, it was horrendous because um, I, I I had a friend that worked in. Oh, funny, um, I've had some experience with horrendous in, scripts <laughs> in 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 NFEF, um, and they they had read the script and they said it was too terrible. But this guy was pretty close to getting it until they did a background check and they found out that this oak, the majority of the money that he was asking for, he was in mad debt that he wanted to use this money to pay off his debt. And then they were like, okay, no, we can't we can't give it to him. But up until that point, they were happy to. Hand that cash over. All right. But Miguel, I mean, let, let's go down brass taxes. That's government funding movies. A, yes. that shouldn't actually happen in, in a, in a, in a proper, I mean, I'm a anarchist, right? So government shouldn't happen <laughs> at all. But I mean, if the government, especially in South Africa, if it funds something, of course, it's going to try to control yeah. whatever it is, yeah. right? So what about the private sector? So the government is a shit, is shit. We get it. Yeah. yeah. Uh, we don't expect consistency or merit or charitability yeah. from them but in the private sector um are there any like big players that are willing to take a risk or or is there also maybe a narrative or a diversity checkbox to take there too um they on a far less of a scale than than obviously obviously because a, a government mandated entity um the the it's less about what i found when i was uh, talking to a lot of these investors it was less about those tick boxes but more about what the movie was um a lot of them were very keen on getting movies i mean at the time when when we were doing a lot of a lot of them were talking about you need to talk about aids or you need to talk about apartheid or you need to talk about 
these are the movies we want because it will look good for us to make these movies. Oh, virtue signaling you, par excellence. You, you know what I mean? It wasn't, uh, it wasn't that, oh, we want to make a, a cool sci-fi film. It's like, yeah, but that doesn't look cool on our… Yeah, we're, we're a bank and, and as a bank, yeah. we need to be spending money on social causes. Yeah. Um, but having said that, I, I did meet a lot of investors who were very, very keen, you know, um, and unfortunately, a, a couple of them just kind of fell by the wayside. It was uh, the, the the stock market crash ruined. Right. I mean, we yeah, were I think we economics were weeks, plays a bigger role. We were weeks away from going into production, oh, and then, I, and to be fair, it was a British investor. Yeah, okay. It was a British guy that we had, we had had, um, and he had a lot of money in the stock market. It was like ready to go. Stock market crashed. Just got this phone call, and he just said, "Sorry, buds, I'm out." And I was like, "Well, they, the you know the bottom fell out." Um, so. Economy, um, and also it's a, it's a lot of money. Yeah, you know, people don't want to risk that money. You know, I've I've spoken to a lot of people. They don't want to risk that money. I've spoken to, I mean, a well, billionaire, and he was like, uh, "But is it going to make me money?" And I'm, mm. and I'm just one of those people who's quite honest. Like, if they're going to ask me, "Is it going to make money?" I'm going to say, "But yeah. to be honest, I can't promise you that it's going to make money." Yeah. Because the South African full market is very tough to make money in. Yeah. So yes. so this is a problem. We don't have proof of concept. So in the United States. Um, you know, as an investor, if you put down $10 million on an independent film, uh, there is probably, and there are, I'm sure, exact statistics, but you know that one in 50 independent films does really well. And when I say really well, $10 million budget, $150 million return. So you would then work out your odds and you'd take your chances. You'd read the script and you'd see who was directing and who was acting and all the rest. And you'd, you'd, you'd do a risk calculation and, and make the decision. In South Africa, we haven't had that yet where someone's put in 10 million rand on a movie and it's returned them 100 million rand. Uh, and right. I think that's the problem mm -hmm. we have with the private sector at the moment. Uh, so they'd rather go, well... Yeah, I could give you ten million and I could lose everything, or I could put ten million in a bank account and get five percent interest, which was, you know, which is shit and doesn't beat inflation, but it's better than zero. Yeah, and, and at best, it probably and is nice better than, than the return than you're going to get from a, a film. Yeah, um, to, uh, it's also the costs along the way. Um, distributors are a problem. Stakinico. Is a problem. On the part, part of Nasbass? I'm not sure. Um, the, it's technical exclusive books. They, they, might, be, they might be part yeah. of the group. But anyway, yeah. Um, and that was something, I mean, when, when I was speaking to them about making movies and doing it, whatever, I mean, th they were basically taking almost everything of that, of that cash. So you had to basically make like double the money to – to even try to make break even because they were basically taking all of that because they I, were distributing I, it. But I think that uh, in America, the calculation is you need to make three times budget to break even. Yeah, but also remember that it's because of their, their marketing doubles their, their, their budgets. Right. And so, then, but the distributor takes like 50%, right? I'm not sure the okay. distribution model. Um, I know that they, they make a lot more money on their domestic. At, um, uh, box office. Yeah. Um, I think sitting at about 30%, I could be mistaken. I know that the international box office is definitely, they don't make more than 50% of that money back. Mm. But that's because they're relying on other distributors yeah. to, to, so to if get those asked, movies out. Locally, if you had to have a local film, say for 10 million rand, to break even, you'll need what? To have a gross of 20 million? Uh, pretty much over the life 
of that film, you, you've got to make that much money. And, and that's a big issue because if you're making a 10 million rand movie, uh, these movies aren't making 20 million at the box office. I mean, yeah. like I said, Number Number, which was 10 million and should have been a movie that, that did really well, um, only made like 70,000 on its opening weekend. I mean, that's terrible. I never heard of this film, but yeah. And that's the problem. Yeah. Also, marketing is a problem here. Um, we don't get a support structure. I think that that's the main thing is we don't have a really strong support structure. Um, in terms of financing, IDC is there, but you've got to come with half the money. You know, where am I going to get? I mean, you're struggling to get well, also if one you, million if, now. You, if you don't get into bed with Stir Kinnickle. So, we've, you know, in the U.S., I've got thousands of cinemas and many of them are independently owned. Uh, in South Africa, you've got New Metro and Sir Kinnickle and then one small other group, really. Uh, and so you have to get into bed with, with, with New Metro or Sir Kinnickle. And if you don't, they may, you have to pay for your own prints uh, often and even potentially for them to screen it. You have to pay them to, 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 hmm. to do this, which you could argue, okay, that, that makes sense. That's what their business is. But you to do that, that the extra cost that that is, I mean, it used to be much worse because if you, 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 you had shot in film, to make film prints was mm. ridiculously expensive. Um, now it, it, it'd be considerably cheaper, but but still, it, it's it's a, it's quite a challenge um, to do that with with the monopoly that there is. But why not circumvent all this, Miguel? Uh, stick it on YouTube. Send doesn't, the link to doesn't people. Doesn't make enough money. No, not here. But if it becomes okay, you can't put full films on YouTube. I mean, yeah. so I mean, some do, and I'm not going to sit in front of my computer for an hour and a half. But you can make like these really interesting, like short films mm. and uh, skits. Yeah. And they are. I don't know if you've seen. Uh, there's a new one called Apocalypse Now Now, which is based on a book. <laughs> That's great. Um, it's a short at the moment. I mean, you must see it. It is fantastic. Once on again, YouTube, I, I think oh, yeah. it's going to start. Yeah, on YouTube, Apocalypse Now Now. It's based on a South African book. Um, set in Cape Town, you, you must see the way it is shot. It is magnificently shot. Um, the, the effects, it's got this creature that's like this electrical creature that uses like other like mechanical parts that suck onto it and whatever. It's, it's fantastic. I mean, it looks fantastic. The dialogue was a bit ashy, but that's the kind of movie that we should be making. And, and yet it's not gaining traction locally. You know, it's the, the advertising and it's got, like Forty thousand views, but so why? Why care about local then? Fuck, fuck local. If if people in South Africa don't care about movies, why do we care about trying to make them care? Because we have to grow the industry, man. But the but the Americans are doing that by themselves, just by going to Cape Town and filming everything they want to. It's happening anyway. Just because yeah. locals people aren't aren't watching them doesn't mean those movies aren't being made. Cape Town's really what the, a very well-known destination for filming. Well, they did cock it up a few years back because they hiked their prices. Yeah, they tried to hike their prices, and a bit. then everyone went to Austria instead. <laughs> yeah, and I feel like it's also—I mean, it's—I think it's maybe a little bit overrated. You know, like um, Cape Town is being used. I think is the correct term. Yeah. Like, I, I, we we do get some key crew. I mean, um, I worked with a focus puller that worked on District Nine. Uh, so we do get some key crew on there, but the main guys are all coming from overseas. Sure. So basically we're just like supporting these oaks here, which is great. I mean, they're making good money, but that money is not translating into our actual film industry. We're yeah. becoming a film support industry. You know, we, sure. we're there and we're servicing these guys and, and it's great. We're getting a lot of money in. Yeah. But how is it translating into our feature film industry? I you think know? You, I, should it? Well, I mean, the guys who are doing it are production houses. I mean, it's uh, – and it's not that they're not making movies. I mean, you look at Moonlighting, they they are making movies and they're making quite big movies. Um, 
I mean, they got involved in, but you see, they get involved in a lot of international forms. So there was that recent, um, uh, a long walk to freedom. Oh, with Idris Elba. You know, they were involved on that, you know. Um, right. But no one went to watch it. It broke even, even globally. Like, yeah, Mandela's old, man. That's an old story. Like, we know the story. And also just well, like, so he sold out. I mean. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, he sold out at the time, too. Seriously. But, I mean, they made a movie called Safe House, right, in mm. Cape Town using Cape Town locations. You know, it's in Cape Town, and it's an American film because you have Hundreds of white people walking to a football stadium to watch Atlanta Pirates versus someone or other. So you know, like, okay, fine, it's definitely American. But I mean, that movie cost $80 million to make in the heart of Cape Town. Where's that money gone? What is being used? What is it, what is it being used for? And I assume it's, it's a private production mm. company that were involved in all that. So I mean, there's like a shitload of money being made. Oh, yeah, but, but why aren't people investing that in the local film industry then? Because they've got a return. Yeah, there's no return, and it's it's one of those catch twenty twos because there's no return because we're not making movies that people want to see, so the movies aren't making money, so we're not going to make those movies that people want to see. And, yeah, you know, it's like kind of this vicious cycle. But what we should be making is movies that we shouldn't be focusing on the South African market. I don't think so. We should be making movies that look beyond the South African market. Yeah, you know, like we must make. Yeah, this is going to be cool. Yeah, but it's also going to be a movie that sells. In Australia, in Britain, you know, you got to also look where are South African people and where are English speaking people, because at the end of the day, that's the language that we have that actually translates internationally. You know, all the our other languages are very local. Um, you could probably sell stuff. I mean, Mandla was a Zulu movie. It was completely written in Zulu, but that was very much to go the apocalypto route where, you know, the sincerity of the language Yes. Would make that movie. I mean, if Apocalypto wasn't spoken yeah, no, yeah, in, in the correct awful. language, you would have watched it. I mean, if some guy's like saying, we've got to get out of here. And it's like, oh, no, that's going to work. You know, the worst is when, when people, when they make an American film like in Russia and then you've got American actors speaking in a Russian English accent. I'm like, just hire a Russian speaking Russian, you dickhead, and put subtitles. People oh, can uh, read. The most horrendous thing was, uh, <laughs> Hansi. You know, the Hansi film. Oh, geez, I never watched that. You know, nah. which, which first of all, Cost 30 million, 30 million. All right. Um, fairly well shot. Not, not a great script at all. I think the problem was that it was his brother that, I think it was his brother that produced it, if I remember correctly. You can't give me a, a, a really solid examination of Hansi Cronier as of a character. Not. Yeah. If you are, you know, involved on that level, you know, you, emotionally connected to the character, you're never going to come and say, this is what he did wrong. This is what he did bad. It was, you know, um, and, and that was a movie that I thought this is a movie. This is a movie that has an opportunity to make money. Yeah. And globally, I mean, the cricket market is huge. Yeah. And, and there they cast an American woman as a South African woman in a South African film. And she was terrible. She wasn't even a good actress. She was terrible. Um, and that ruined the movie for me. I, I mean, outside of everything else that really stuck out for me. I was like, oh, this is, this is bad. You know, um, but there were some really nice shots of the cricket, and it was it was a fairly well done. But it also that movie didn't make money, and the actors also. I mean, I don't know if they've been paid now, but I've spoken to, I'd worked with one or two of the actors later on, and they still said oh, we hadn't been paid. Like how many years after the film, we hadn't been paid. So where did that thirty million go? Yeah. Um, so it's also about putting money in the wrong things. You know, we've. Uh, I suppose it was a good idea. It was a fair idea. Hansi, this could have been amazing. Yeah, I suppose. I'm just waiting for the Oscar Pistorius movie to come out with someone with two legs to play him. <laughs> He's got to have CG. 
he's got, he, well, he's got to have his revival first. When he gets released from prison and then everyone loves him again, yeah. uh, then, I, then it'll be a good I movie. I have never stopped loving him. Of course you haven't. Of course you haven't. <laughs> Those gift packages he gets in, in prison every month. Uh, he, now he knows where they come from. So let's okay, move so, away. So yeah, local, local shit. We get it. Sorry, Miguel. Um, despite your best efforts. And I understand. Oh. I mean, I know a lot of other positions, not a lot. I know other people in your position. They're like, yeah, I'm just wasting, wasting my talent and my time here. So, overseas markets, that's the big cherry, right? To, to get to. The problem is, there's been really, the past like four or five years, movies have been like quite awful. Generally speaking. Yeah. Um, you know, you know what the big issue at the moment, when we're talking on a global market about movies for me is that we stuck on, Franchises, Superhero, we're stuck yeah. on sequels, and this year Hollywood got a a wide awakening. People weren't interested in sequels; they weren't interested in taking a look at. Well, uh, I, think, I think it was the worst summer in twenty five years. Twenty five years, yeah. You know, people are just saying enough. We want, and you look at the movies that did well. Yeah. You know, um, the original content, other than uh, Wonder Woman, which ba- was shit, Baby Driver, way. right? Which I think is not. Anywhere close to being the best Edgar Wright movie. I, I love no, the. I agree I love with him you. as a filmmaker. I like the film. I like. I love the filmmaker. The movie was six so, out of ten. It was fun, entertaining, but yeah. not great. Yeah, I mean, you compare that to Hot Fuzz, oh, no, which fuck. was Hot Fuzz. Yeah, outstanding. Hot Fuzz you know, yeah, Shaun of the Dead. I loved, but Hot Fuzz was like the perf- yeah, perfection. That yeah. was Edgar Wright. Absolutely perfect. You know, um, and that movie came at number eleven in America uh, in the in, in the box office runnings. Why? Because it was a new. And it wasn't even that new and that fresh. It was heists and it was car chases and whatever. I mean, it was really fun. Um, I don't think it delivered what it promised. It delivered a lot more music um, and and video it, correlation. It was a musical video, direct, you know, masquerading it, as a heist film. It was more of a music video. But when, when he had described it originally, I, I expected um, a lot more integration between it, mm. between the music and the video. Uh, it didn't do that great here. Um, I, I, I did tweet about it I'd, I'd say that the, I don't think that the marketing has been very good for, for our market um, people just look at it and say oh, yeah, it looks alright um, but in America that did really well um, you look at uh, Girls Night um, oh, which, which is came, female version of The Hangover yeah I mean that's essentially what it is um, but people wanted to watch that it was new it was fresh you know, it was a bunch of women going out and doing some crazy shit and it was wonderful you know, like the audience said yes we want to watch that um, yeah I mean but, and then the big one obviously is, is Dunkirk Dunkirk surprised a, fresh, a lot of people. Fresh original IP. It's Christopher Nolan. I don't know how anybody could look at uh, uh, that and say, "Oh, it's gonna, it's gonna bomb." Christopher Nolan knows how to make movies. That guy is just at the top draw, you know. Um, and Dunkirk did surprise a lot of people. Made it into the top ten. People didn't expect it to make it into the top ten. Um, I mean, I thought it would be a, a huge grosser, but um, it's an astounding film. But that is a big issue: is that um, uh, fatigue. Yes. Well, we've had what six Spider-Mans in the last decade. Yeah, and Homecoming just, did, did did well. <laughs> I mean, um, I'm exaggerating, but we've had ridiculous and re- reboots. Reboots. Look, look how many just, times they've rebooted it. You know, it's, uh, just like give it a break. I think X-Men as well. Like, give it a and break. that's why Logan is a great film because it fucking ended. It ended twenty years of films, so to speak. Yeah, so I mean, it's, enough's enough. Man. It ended the Wolverine yeah. narrative, and 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 fortunately, James Mangold had. had had enough, he'd done enough with the last Wolverine for them to say, okay, but you and you, Jackman, because you, Jackman's obviously was also wanted to finish on a high, you know, yeah. and two of them, and they just said, okay, you guys, you've earned the right to go and make the Wolverine movie that you want to make. Go and do it. 
and look at the success of that film, you know, because even though people are tired of, uh, you, you say people are tired of superhero movies, yet they're making tons of cash. Um, that movie was different. You know, it was a superhero film, but it dealt a lot more with, uh, you know, life and death. It dealt a lot more with like um, Myth, mythology, mythology, or, uh-huh. you know, how you represented in life. You know, you look at those comic books and, and, and just, and, and the thing that hit me the most and what moved me the most was the, the father daughter aspect, you know, being a father that, that spoke to me a lot more. It, it, it was a, a Western drama. Um, film. It wasn't. I mean, the action is fantastic, but the story was was extremely good, extremely real. And uh, yeah, I mean, that's what makes. I mean, compare that to I watched Guardians of the Galaxy. It was so awful. What the two. second one? Yeah, oh, it I is. Loved it, eh? it is so awful. You loved it. Oh, I loved it. I am I'm yet to see it. No shit. But you know what? It's one of those movies. Like I feel like I'm in a bubble. Yeah. Like I loved it, but whenever I speak to people, they're just like, "Are you sure you watch the same film?" No, I get it when you just put a film on and you just want to just not think. Mm. There, I was thinking too much because it's just too much. It was far too interested in itself. Yeah, I think I think it tried too hard to tie up every narrative. That kind of bugged me. Um, like and every it, character had to have an arc. Every character and it was showing off, man. It was showing off so much. Yeah, and, and which is fine. A little bit self-aware. Very self-aware. You know, like they they knew that they were funny now, and they knew, you know, when the first one came out, it was fresh. Like it, yeah. this is a surprise. Whereas the second one just had that self-awareness that it got a little silly at times. Um, but what I loved about, it, I'm, I also often get sold by the medium itself. So for me, the movie was shot beautifully. I mean, there were scenes in there that just looked magnificent. Um, the action was fabulous. The production design. I mean, the 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 blonde, the the the, the superior race. That's all gold. That that these white. I might add that these assholes are the screwing racist. up. Com- you know, they screw them up completely. Yeah. It, it was highly entertaining because they're supposed to be so perfect, and just the way they were, the blue and the. I mean, it was magnificent. We don't do things like that. Um, but so does being a director ruin films for you? Not really, you know. Um, my wife often, okay, my wife now, you know, she says like, uh, you've made me more aware of things when we mm. go into movies because, because a good movie is efficient. If they show you something, you know for sure that there's, uh, that's it's going to be reason. relevant. So, I right. mean, this is an old example, but if, if, um, there was that old uh, Robert Zemeckis horror film with Harrison Ford and Michelle Pfeiffer. Um, and right in the beginning, they're crossing this bridge and they make a point of showing this bridge. And I was like, yeah, the bridge is going to play into it at some point, et cetera, et cetera. You know, you've got all these things like, uh, this last Fast and the Furious, which was terrible, highly entertaining, but wasn't a very good movie. Charlize was, Charlize was, you compare her there compared to Atomic Blonde, which I loved, um, was terrible. But, but there, right in the beginning, they meet this Cuban dude and he says something and it was really cheesy and whatever. Um, and I turned to my wife and said, what's a bet this is going to come back later and he's going to help them for something. Q and R and half later, who's there? And she's like, okay, now I'm aware of these things, like the, the film language. Mm. Uh, but it makes it, uh, it makes it entertaining sometimes because um, sometimes you want to see, oh, you're right, you know, like the prestige. In the first five or ten minutes, they give you the answer. They really tell you what, how the film is going to end. You know, you already know the twist. But because you're so focused on the film, you don't, you don't pick it up. So it's these little little things, but it doesn't. 
I don't think it necessarily ruins it. Sometimes it actually um, uh, it bolsters my appreciation for the film. Sure. Um, like I look at Mad Max Fury Road. A lot of people don't like that movie. Amazing. Who you know, I like get it? lost in that movie. Which oh. savage doesn't like Mad Max yeah. Fury Road? <laughs> These people need to be executed. <laughs> no, I mean, that movie is so specifically shot. Yeah. Every shot has a purpose. Everything is designed. It's just magnificent. And I get lost in that movie. But as a filmmaker, I appreciate it. You know, I look at it and I say, there's not much dialogue. You know, they tell the story through the pictures, um, and everything is well designed. It's, it's also beautifully shot. And George Miller, I mean, that oak has been making movies. I mean, he's 70, well, since 70 the, plus. Since, yeah, since the first Bad Max. That oak is amazing, and it's, and any jump genres, which is nice. You know, and that's, that's, you know, from, this is the guy who made Babe. I know, and Happy Feet. And Happy Feet. And then Mad Max Fury Road, where they feast on virgin's blood. It's very cool. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's called, uh, not diversity, what's it called? When you're able to master jack of all trades. Eclectic yeah, kind yeah. of scenario. And I love those kind of directors. Gore Verbinski is the same thing, you mm. know, able to jump from pirates to a drama to a horror. He made the greatest animated film ever called Rango. Rango was sick. Rango is fantastic. Oh, if you haven't best, seen Rango, that's the oh, best animated film. Awesome. You know, it's a, oh, hilarious. Hilarious. Um, and he's one of my top filmmakers. I mean, I, I think he's fantastic. And just look at, okay, but he made The Lone Ranger, but, but I mean, if you look at it as a, on a directorial standpoint That was is, a good film I don't know why people hated it I thought it was fun Yeah, it was entertaining I mean, it wasn't great I don't know if it was worth $250 million though But um, it, was, it, was a, it was an entertaining film But, I mean, him as a director I mean, I just love, I love what he does We don't have that All our guys This is the problem as well Because there's no money in our films You're right Where are they going to go? They're going to go to commercials you know, there's a director. Um, he just he just won the the Cannes Grand Prix, if I, if I stand to be correct, but it's the Grand Prix. Terence Neal for his Adidas commercials. I mean, I would love. He's to been see around him. for a while, Terence. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, he's yeah. been uh, he's been around, but his his style is magnificent. I would love to watch a movie made by Terence Neal. But he, why, when the budgets that he's getting for the ads that he's doing. Could make three Ex movies and they exceed. Oh, so the budget for the ad is like oh, 20, 30 massive. million rand. I mean, he's getting. I mean, it's. Have you seen that uh, Adidas? I don't have TV anymore, so I don't watch. Adidas. Hit it up on YouTube. It is oh, really? magnificent. Which yeah. one is it? Um, it's my way. They use like a Frank Sinatra track. Just search for it's. it's the, okay. Just search for um, Adidas my way, and you'll 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 get it. Um, it's just it's shot all over the place. The cast, there's tons of cast. The art direction is magnificent. I mean, the money that he must have had making that ad could have easily made three or four movies. In, in its entirety and the money that he would earn from those ads i mean it dwarfs what he's going to make out of a movie i mean you, you get paid a pittance in comparison um and also you don't have the time to master to craft something an ad like that you, you're shooting over days and days yeah you know yeah you i mean the one time they wanted to ask me can we shoot this movie in two weeks i looked at the guys i said are you out of your mind two weeks how do you craft something how do you make something magnificent i mean you need at least six weeks um, okay, phone booth was shot in two weeks, but one location, and yeah. you're, and you're dealing with and it was pretty Hollywood boring. crew that <laughs> knows their shit. You know what I mean? Like they knew their stuff. It was lit immediately, and it was you know they 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 were very clever how they did it. But they shot it in two weeks. Um, you can do it, but it has to be very specific. I mean, I think a good film for South Africa to to make or try and make is something like Saw, the first one. Mm. The first Saw was made for. Two, three hundred thousand dollars. We could make it for half a million rand here. I'm sure you, quite easily. You, you got that horror that you wrote. Yeah, the, the, a couple. You, you mind if I say what the premise is? Sure. So, 
teenagers, well, not teenagers, but like uh, adolescents, millennials. Go, go away for, yeah, it would work great with millennials. Yeah, millennials. <laughs> it really would work great with millennials. Um, go away for like, it's somewhere in the free state, right? And there's like, it's, it's very isolated and they go away for the weekend and, um, and there's this chalet or cabin or whatever you want it to be. Um, and something's not quite right and people start dying. Uh, and it's, it's like, it's just a great, Horror film and it'd be relatively cheap to do. Yeah, um, it was, yeah entertaining can. as hell. It was very cheap. Um, that, that was the idea. That was my process, my thought process behind it was to try and make um, a very cheap movie because it was a horror film. Nobody was really that keen on on financing a, a horror film. I thought, okay, well, let's try and make it for a million, mm. like a million rand. We'll shoot it cheap. We'll get one location, um, and and we'll do it. Um, but once again, nobody was that keen on doing a horror film, and and. Oddly enough, that's the kind of movie that would actually sell overseas because horror f- uh, yeah. fanatics don't really care about the quality of the film that much. I know that sounds dumb, but, but just entertain them. But, Give them blood but, and guts and some, but, scare them, and then they're fine. Yeah, but know? look at the, at the cost, to, uh, cost to profit ratio. The biggest differences are horror films. Like Blair Witch was $200 million gross and like $400,000, you know, budget. It's because it doesn't paranormal activity, same thing. Yeah. The first saw. These m- movies make 30, 40, 50 times the budget. Yeah. Because it doesn't take a lot to scare. You don't need expense to scare people. No, you people. don't. You need one you location. Need, you need close up stuff. One premise. To, to scare people and, and very real stuff. It has to be real. Otherwise, it doesn't really scare people. So, you know, paranormal activity is literally like CCTV cameras in people's houses. Um, that was the first. It's, the whole first one was on CCTV yeah. camera. Yeah. So, so, and you know, Saw is while it's in, in not a real thing, it could very well be real. And it's people in a room, and it's blood and guts, which scares most people. Um, yeah. I mean, how many entries of that movie have there been? I mean, there's like seven or eight, I think. And there's a new one coming out now. Oh, really? Okay. Uh, just called Jigsaw. But then, so the guy who made Saw made it independently. James One. Mm. He directed Fast and Furious 7 no, like and, a decade later. And he's doing Aquaman. And Aquaman and The Conjuring. And he's but from, from, amazing. But from zero, the guy was like 21. He made Saw on his own. And now he's directing some of the biggest movies Hollywood's ever had. But look, and to that's be fair, Saw, they didn't want to finance either. Eh? He, uh, yeah. what, what they did with that was they <laughs> shot the, the opening scene, you know, when they wake up. and the, uh, I think it's actually even the scene that's in the movie. When they wake up with the chain and they got a cut off the foot. Right. They shot that scene and then people bought into it. Oh, right, so to right. be fair, even that. Look, in America, you also struggle a lot to get movies made. Eh? Oh, There's sure. a lot of politics and a lot of um, uh, control and things there. You know, you, you're not cool. or We just don't like you anymore. So you're not going to make movies. No, there's a lot of like crony, crony unions and shit like that as yeah, well. Yeah. I mean, look at Mel Gibson. You know, like, yes, he came out with these. I mean, I don't, I, I, except for Roman Polanski, I generally don't give a, a rat's ass about, like, your personal life. Like, if, if you've got issues, you've got issues. But just give me a cool movie and, and whatever, right? Yeah. Um, Roman Polanski is on a different story. I refuse to touch anything. I refuse to watch anything that he does. because I actually I, agree with you. Once I, I found out, you know, I was like, oh, no, I can't. Yeah, I refuse. Well, he raped a 13-year-old. Thing. Yeah, like drugged her and whatever, and it's disgusting. Yeah. And, 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 and and they cheer for him. That's I the know. most – they want him to be free, and I'm like, no. But Donald Trump says, grab him by the pussy once. Then <laughs> <laughs> yeah. you got Meryl Streep. Yeah, but yet they're Roman like, yeah, Roman, yeah, we love you. So, like, no. so, um, so there are a lot of those, those issues. But once again, we're not looking at the big picture. Make horror movies. Try and get them direct to DVD there, and you can make that money. There's also um, a guy in the townships who's who makes movies 
can't remember his name, but he hardly uses any money. He goes out, he makes, and then he sells the copies there to the spaza shops. Oh, really? It's like he's making like a, a eight hundred thousand a million rand profit on Shit. his movies. Really? Because it's a, but it's movies like Mzanzi quality, right? You know those yeah. like really really poor or like the, or like those Angolan action films <laughs> that I see you see clips on Twitter. And you're like Jesus, this thing actually makes money. But he's making does. sick money, you know, yeah. he's, and because he, he sells them for like fifty bucks a pop, it like, costs him what ten rand to make. So, uh, even uh, I think in the article he shows. Um, like the spread, and it's in those plastic sheets. It's not even in a cover. Right. So it's played, you know, like the, on the side yeah. of the over, they're selling illegal old, old DVDs. School. That's what he's doing, and he's making tons of cash. You know, so he's got a market. You know, it's a, so it's amazing. We do have that market. We're just not making the movies for the market. And um, I just wish we could we could conquer that because South Africans do want to be entertained. You know, we do yeah. want to see cool movies. We we go to movies. We talk about movies all the time. No, but, we, and see, but even TV series yeah, yeah. gets like millions and millions of viewers or generations or I don't know what else. Um, they get millions of viewers. So uh, I think it's important just to want to just start something from the ground up. You got, you say, okay, I've got a million rand. We we can give uh, 10 movies, 100,000 rand budget. You work with that. See what you come up with. We will lose a million rand, but it's not that much in the greater scheme of things. I mean, anyone can do that, surely. Well, uh, Robert Rodriguez is now doing a reality show. Now, I was quite bummed because I wanted to enter it, but you have to be a U.S. resident. Um, And his thing, because his first movie that he made. Desperado. um, Al Al Mariachi. Al Al Mariachi, sorry. That cost him $7,000. Indeed. So now this whole thing is he said, okay, we're going to give six six filmmakers $7,000 and you have to now go and make – Movies, because that's how I made a movie the first time. Now, you guys must go and make a movie, that, that, you know, and see how it works. And, I, you know, I, I quite dig that. Uh, I think – but the problem is that you also have to pay bills. You know, um, I can't go and make – I can't spend six months making a movie and it's all the money that we have is 100000 How am I going to feed my kid? How am I going to – Sure. You know, and, and, and that's once again going back to why Terrence Neal is rather going to direct – commercials and earn a couple of hundred thousand per commercial or whatever it is then so Miguel without going into figures so to speak um, how do you make your money now if I may ask uh, through commercials through um, commercials corporate documentaries corporate films you know that's uh, that's where that's where the market is yeah you know yeah. and it's it's look at the moment it's, it's a bit tough because of the economy hopefully the 2.5 percent that you were talking about is not just a drop in the ocean and next month we're back to 1.2 but you know as long as our economy keeps on growing the corporate market keeps on growing you know um it's kind of looked down upon in, in america they call it industrials um but it, it is kind of looked down upon yeah like you do corporates but you know there's the there's actually Huge money in there, and if you if you look at the really high end ones, there's it's it's not creatively bereft. You know, there's there's astounding sh- short films that some of these guys are making, um, and there's good budgets there. I mean, some of them in millions. It's, it's you're getting some really really good budgets to do do some stuff. But yeah, that's that's uh, you know um, I used to do a, quite a few commercials. I've kind of gotten out of that um, half by choice, half not by choice, um, but um, it's a it's a it's a little bit stressful to to be honest to deal with with money on that scale, right? And and um, the clients are difficult. The clients as well. because if a client's going to come and spend ten million rand, you better be sure that the client wants this shot and the client wants that shot. So so creatively, it can sometimes be quite difficult unless you are a, a Terence Neal or a Dean Bloomberg or a 
Kim Khaled and Ace, I mean, those folks are the big boys, so they can pretty much go in and dictate what they what they want to do. Um, and even then, the client is still going to say, hey, well, you know, like, this is what we want. Um, on the lower end, it's it's a lot more difficult because they want to control it a lot more. I, I actually find that the smaller the budget is actually a little bit more difficult. But Yeah, because they want great they want things. Your champagne little. for beer money. You know? Yeah, absolutely. All right. Well, oh, I want to know. Um, so we've spoken a lot about film, um, but the U.S. has moved a lot towards television, really. Uh, Fifteen years ago, when we were starting out in film, it was sort of everyone was trying to get – TV was where you got if you failed in film. Mm. Um, and then, uh, you know, mid-2000s, what ended up happening was – Film became kind of like, yeah, you can do a movie, but that seems like a lot of work and not really great return because you do one movie. Maybe if you like want an A-lister, you get paid 10 to $20 million. Your agent takes like 20% of that and it tax man, et cetera, et cetera. But if you can get onto a series uh, and then be a recurring lead in a series or something like that, and the same applies for the guys in, on the technical side or, or back behind the scenes, so the director and producers, et cetera, writers. Um, that's far better. So if you end up producing Narcos or House of Cards uh, or, you know, one of the a Big Bang Theory or whatever, whatever it happens to be, that's far better. And so you've got these traditionally feature film actors, these sort of award-winning, Academy Award-winning actors uh, on the small screen, so to speak. Uh, are we anywhere close to going there? Like, and why? Like, I mean, we, we don't have, we don't have the big screen actors to go small screen. So there's that. Uh, but it seems that people are very interested in series and people are very interested in television again, which, uh, I mean, they were writing off a decade ago. They, everyone was like, we're done with TVs. It's all over. Uh, bar the shouting. Yeah. There was a lot of, um, I think a big issue with, with, with the television back in the day, it was very formulaic. There wasn't really anything challenging anything. I mean, you watched MacGyver. It was the same thing every week. You watched Hunter. You watched Dallas. You watched whatever. Dallas was probably the only one that really – that was like the last kind of big thing. You had Roots, and you had a couple of those kind of miniseries, um, but nothing really serious. I, I think a lot of it was budget and technical capability. You know, what you can do now with a 40,000 rand camera, I mean, you can shoot things that are cinema quality. You know, um, so technically we are able to do a lot more with a lot less money. Um, in America, the shift became is that the movies started getting very expensive. Like big budget movies are $150 million plus. That's a lot of money to throw into something. Keeping in mind, plus the marketing, it becomes $300 million. So then you have to make 400, 500 million to even like get a nice return, you know? An author. Whereas this year's King Arthur. Oh yeah, yeah. You know, which which bomb. I thought looked cool, but it bombed. Like when I when I looked at it, I was like this, because uh, I love Guy Ritchie and I love Me his too. style. I looked at it and I thought this was the wrong thing. Yeah. You know, yeah. it should have been more colorful. But, but, or something. but, but anyway, but, but the loss, but the losses are, are are immense if you get it wrong. That's the thing is you get yeah. a big knock. I mean, and 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 the thing is also people remember that. Yeah. You know, what's weird is that the the Waterworld, for example, you know, Waterworld actually, I actually really actually hasn't Waterworld. lost money. But yet it's still seen as one of the biggest turkeys ever. Yeah. Because it's 
the perception of it is that it, that it lost money. It actually made a little bit of money, not a lot, but it did make a little bit of cash. But it stays uh, with the actor and the director. Like uh, Heaven's Gate was the big one. Right? Yeah, I mean, bankrupted. MG, uh, MG, I can't remember who, but Michael Cimino, the director, I don't think he could work ever again. He made like very small films, but after Heaven's Gate, like yeah, fantastic director, yeah. you know. Yeah, nowadays directors have got a little bit more opportunity to come back. You look at uh, M Night, you know. I know. He, can, you know, uh, unbelievable. Like he's making a bit of a comeback. <laughs> Seriously, I, my, I hate him. <laughs> yeah, I'm so like I'm not really. Um, I like I like some of his movies, yeah. but I haven't really loved anything. Um, Sounds was the best thing you did. Yeah, I mean, Sounds was cool and Unbreakable. I, I enjoyed, and yeah, as you can see, that's continuing now with yeah. with Split and now Glass is like he's going back to that well, but he's now earned his way back in. Um, but he's going back got to a the, bit of a cult following. Yeah, you know, you've somehow got you've got your support up. base, and you've got these guys who do have that support base, and somehow just keep on surviving. But yet, you've got some amazing directors that just don't get anywhere. You know, it's. They they pump out good movies, but they've just been unlucky, or they, or their movies just haven't hit the market yet, or the, you know, it's eventually it becomes a cult hit, you know, and yeah. it's like, oh, now we realise this is an awesome movie. By then it's too late. That guy's gone away. You know, you look at Paul Verhoeven. He, I mean, he's one of the best Hollywood directors. He just made some. He just made his best movie ever last year. Did you ever watch Elle? Mm -hmm. No, a French movie. It's a rape comedy. Uh, uh, for Herben. No, yep. I haven't the guy did Basic Instinct, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He he did L last year. It's a yep. rape comedy. A woman who gets raped. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to see go, this. And doesn't go to the police <laughs> okay. due, to, due to an incident in her childhood. It is one of the best movies I've seen. And the fact that she didn't win an Oscar, her name's Isabelle Huppert, who's a, is a French actress. The fact that she didn't win an Oscar is, is highly indicative of what the Oscars are about. I, no, I don't even bother with It Oscars. is a... <laughs> Fantastic, fantastic film. L E L L E. I was definitely give it a The last movie I watched of his was Swartbook. But but um, he, Paul Verhoeven, says he left Hollywood in 2006 because there's no creativity there. There's none. He makes better movies in the Netherlands. Where no, he's no, now he and it's free for for a quarter of the price, and they still make money in Europe. But he's able to articulate his vision far better than Hollywood. Look at John Woo. <clears throat> it's the same thing. John Woo's making Kong. the biggest movies he's made. He's um, making Hong Kong now. Yeah, and he's yeah. making the. Uh, um, well, I mean, he's appealing to a market of over a billion people. He doesn't he doesn't need the American market? And he's John Woo, so there he just makes his movies. You know, like yeah, okay, um, um, you know, you, but once again in America, one or two bombs and that's it. You're discarded. Yeah. Sorry, my friend, you're out. You know. Yeah. Um, but a lot of very top of the range directors are actually filming uh, or producing TV series. Yeah, because they did Boardwalk Empire. Fincher did um, oh, what's that? House of Cards. Yeah. Brad Pitt just made a movie with Netflix. Did you even know that? Yeah. Netflix paid it looks Brad fantastic. Pitt to make a movie what? just for Netflix. I don't know what it's called. Um, it's uh, it's about a general man. I can't remember the name. I don't know if it's out or not. But but the trailer looks fantastic. But the he biggest looks... the, one of the biggest stars in the world is making a, Smith. a made for a TV movie. <laughs> Will Smith is in a movie uh, now called uh, Bright. Right. That's on Netflix. Three and a half million dollars for the script. Three and a half million dollars for, for the script. Shit. Yeah. Uh, Max, War Machine, I think. Max, yes, that's yeah, it. War Machine. Um, and, and Max Landis, Max, Max Landis wrote it. I mean, it's direct to Netflix. Uh, uh, look, there's a, there's other issues with the Netflix model releasing movies directly to Netflix. I think it needs a theatrical run. Amazon gets it right. They they understand that you have to release it first on in the theater, then own it on your platform. Um, 
Netflix wants to completely own everything, yeah. which I don't know if it will work. Um, but yeah, that shift, you, you know, it's also, like I was saying, so budgets get very big for the films, right? You make a big loss. When you start making those movies, or $250 million or whatever, you've got a lot of people on your back saying, we need a love interest. We need this. We need that. We need to appeal to this. Oh, no, we can't have the dog die over there. No, no. <laughs> the audience is going to, you know, and then they go by the audience check boxes and it's like the audience comes and says, no, we were very sad with the end. We can't have that. And then they go, okay, let's change the end. You know, it's like stupid things like that. And that's what happens with film. But with TV, they've got creative freedom. It's, it's amazing. I don't know if you've watched Hannibal. But it's a different medium. Like yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a different no, I medium. I mean, physically, it's a different medium. But the TV is is determined by the writer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Movies are determined by the director and producer to some degree. But the writer is the king of the TV world. The writer Not is the king. director. The director, they change every single, you know, every second episode. But the writer is what's key. Whereas if you buy a script in Hollywood, you can change that script 180 degrees and still say, yeah, based on the script, but it's not really. Yeah, you wouldn't even know. I mean, if uh, uh, the new dire- the director of um, the, the Last Jedi, this new Star Wars film coming yeah. out in December, Ryan Johnson, which I think is fantastic. You wouldn't even know that he directed three or four episodes of Breaking Bad. Go watch Breaking Bad. They all look the same because the formula has been set. You know, So his impact isn't as heavy as – in, in on a TV series because it's already structured, you know that. Yeah, as you say, it is. It's definitely the producers and writers that own television. But like I said, I mentioned Hannibal, where you've got Brian Fuller and 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 he's an American Gods as well. Like he's just come in and just said, "We're going to go crazy." I mean, I don't know if you've watched Hannibal, but the, I mean, that, I've been told to I, watch I, it. Oh, I didn't like it. Oh, I, I didn't I, mind I it, know. but I thought it was just too over the top for me. It not, was a bit. It, not believable. It, it, it wasn't. It was very, it was very arty, I yeah, would say. It um, was beautiful. I was surprised that, that it lasted as long as it did. You know, they were like, we're going to last seven seasons. No chance. There's no chance that this will last seven seasons. It's way too out there. You know, it's, yeah. it's way too crazy. Um, but beautiful. I mean, geez, like the art, the artistry behind it is, is magnificent. And, and that's why people are, Shifting over, a lot more people are watching TV, binge watching. You know, like it's it's more accessible for for more audiences people. to watch. There's a bit more money in it in in TV now than 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 there was, and creative freedom. I and mean, people are going there, flooding there. They are, you know, you're getting your Kevin Spaces because they get, they get to do interesting stuff. You mm. know, I don't know if you watched the one with uh, Kelsey Grammer that uh, Gus Van Sant. Did where he's the mayor. I can't remember what it was called. It was two yes, seasons. Yes, yes, it was a great show. And, and, uh, and he had. Um, I can't remember the name. It? Oh, it was fantastic. Parkinson's, but he's, you know, fantastic. You know, it yeah. was just outstanding. Um, Why did but as an actor, serious, he went there and said, "Oh, he has something that I can sink my teeth into, and it really challenges me as a as an actor and as a character because I don't have to play it safe for box office returns." Right. You know, you yes. kind of. Yeah, and 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 Hollywood's getting very vanilla, right? Very vanilla. Um, so, yeah, the awards is all about virtue signaling. Mm. They last year, I think Manchester by the Sea was by far the superior film to anything else that year, because it wasn't afraid to say you just can't get over grief, and that's fine. There's no heroism in getting over grief. And the performances in that film. Were... It, was, it was Marlon Brando on the waterfront, man. Kelsey Affleck was outstanding. The most, yeah, I mean, yeah, and then they got, gave it to Moonlight, which is, which is fine. Um, but, but yeah, so, but the, the problem with Hollywood though, it, it's too vanilla. Mm. The demographic is 1835 white men, um, 
So that's the action movies. Then it's 1835, White Women, so there's the romantic comedies. Where's the real, and then, and then Dunker comes out, and everyone's like, oh, it's a brilliant film. Um, yeah, it is, but it's one film. Mm. This whole year, this is actually worth something. Yeah, and there, and also, Christopher Nolan, once again, he's got the, he's got the meat behind he's him. He's got the know? clout, yeah. Like he, like, Which he, built he, himself, he wouldn't have made you know? prestige if it wasn't for the Dark Knight. Right? He, he went in and said, okay, they wanted him to come back and, and make Dark Knight Rises, and mm. he said, give me Inception, and then I'll make that movie for you. I mean, he basically said that. I mean, the old negotiator was like, no, I'm not coming back. I'm not coming back. <laughs> like, Nonsense. He was like, I'm not coming back until you finance this film. And then and Inception made them a lot of money, but they wouldn't have taken that chance no. if he hadn't said, yeah. And it's the same with The Prestige, because I think it was Batman Begins, Prestige, Dark Knight. Inception. Inception. Dark, Dark Knight Rises. Rises. And then and Interstellar. And, and then Interstellar and then, and then Dunkirk, you know? Right. Um, <laughs> So yeah, there's a creativity issue. I mean, I love films as much as you two, because you two actually studied films. I just listened to Brace Ellis rant about, <laughs> about, about films generally. But, um, I mean, I'm all out of questions. I need to go, Jonathan. Before you go, what's, what's, what's coming? Hours. What's coming? What's coming? Yeah. I you're going to, you, new Star Wars. I, I know you're going to be keen on that. Yeah. Look, um, the new Star Wars, having watched the trailer, doesn't excite me as much as the, the, the previous one. It's a great director. Great Star Wars visuals. is the most overrated tripe I've ever seen <laughs> in my whole life. I, Look, just I, don't, I grew up with that. So I, I just don't I get it. it. I grew up with, with Timothy Traddle. Doesn't mean it's good. <laughs> or no, KTV. Look, look I loved it as a kid and I, and, I, and I do dig it. Um, I'm just trying to think of what, what's, what's coming out. I mean, there's a, there's a, the, the Irishman that I'm really keen on. Uh, Martin Scorsese's new film I mean it's only started production that, But I just love the idea of telling the story Over generations And they're using de-aging technology to, And it's Robert De Niro So you can see him like as a younger, older Ooh, Scorsese and, and De Niro together once again yeah. that's gonna be So that's going to be interesting um, There's a sick Sick looking movie coming out um, Brawl in Block 99 With Vince Horn that looks outstanding. And I know I said Vince Vaughn and both of you like looked at me like, what? <laughs> it, it looks Is it Vince Vaughn being serious? Yeah, yeah. It's, it looks badass. Um, so there's, 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 and, and once again, that's a movie trying to be different. And I like that this, the, the, the director, he did, he did a movie called Bone Tomahawk. I don't know if you've seen it. Oh, like, that movie was brutal, man. <laughs> Violent. I loved eh? it. And and he directed this. Now, what I like about him is he's taking uh, chances, like Western, like weird Western movies. Horror. And now, yeah, and now this is is just this like hard, apparently it's brutal. It's just like this hardcore thing in in, in jail and whatever. And he's a, this ruffian. And when I saw Vince Vaughn in the trailer, I was like, man, this guy should have been cast as Lex Luthor. Man, this 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 would have been cool. And look, I'm Justice League. Yeah. I'm amped for big time. But I'm a big DC I'm fan. Comics, over man. Superhero movies. No, but DC DC gets it more right than Marvel because it's more real. They 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 try to make the themes are much more real than 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 Marvel. So I'm quite excited for DC as well. Yeah, the best yeah. superhero movie other than the Batman trilogy was uh, Watchmen. Oh, Watchmen was incredible. Exactly. Thank you. Watchmen Thank was you. incredible, and, I, and no one thinks about that film ever. But. Talking well, about directors, Zack Snyder's got like yeah, a, but, but a stigma he's, he's attached on, to he's him. He's on and off, uh, very hot and cold. Like, no, 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 he's not hot and cold. Shit. He's just very stylized. Yeah, he's and, very stylized. And, and, and Watchmen was very stylized. And but if you don't like character. his style, but yeah, there was, there was. In his other movies, the characters lacks. But the style in that yeah, film is definitely a style. Is overarching. And if you didn't like the style, then you wouldn't have liked the film. Like, 
I think I think that's what turned people off. And that on, style on carried Washington. on through Sucker Punch, carried yeah. on through um, uh, Batman versus Superman, is now carried on through Justice. But he, if you look he, at those movies, they all look very similar. Yeah, but he's toned down. He's 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 in control of it now. Yeah, I think I think, I think Man of Steel taught him that because he, he, uh, Christopher Nolan came in and said yeah. we've got to make it a bit more realistic. But he still had these Snyderisms. And, and I, I freaking loved Man of Steel. I don't care what anybody tells me. Oh, really? That's that okay. movie was awesome. That was Superman. For me, that was Superman. I know, like, yeah, the original. He's a bit of a wet. You know, 78 uh, Superman is the one that people remember, the Boy Scout. Henry Cavill's a pussy, man. He looks like he looks like someone was, who was bullied his whole <laughs> life. And then he comes out, now he's strong and now he's, like, super worried about being strong. Like, oh, I, 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 look, as an, as an actor, I think he's a little bit. He's not, he's not, he's not, he's not fun. He's not a fun Superman. Like, you don't seem like, oh, wow, I can punch through walls as a 20 year old. Let's punch through walls and, mm. you know, have fun. No, it's all like this huge responsibility bullshit. But you see, I, I, personally, I like that, you know, because it's different from the other comic book movies. Yeah, because everything else is fun. But Batman's far more realistic about having, about, about that line, about yeah. having the responsibility. Be- because Batman's just a man. That's why. How dare you? <laughs> Look, in the new Sorry. Batman movie, Zer is just. How dare you define his, his Zer genders? Yeah. Zer gen- that, That's Zer. Try to say that. Try to say Zer gender. It's very hard. Zer gender. In the centers. Mm, I introduced some people to Wimson last night. They didn't know the term. Bigots. Uh, exactly. Exactly. Were they Wimson themselves? We didn't even get onto politics. It's been a politic free. And Miguel has deep feelings on Donald Trump. Oof. Deep, deep feelings. Love Donald Trump. <laughs> Big fan. Big fan. <laughs> Big fan. Yeah. Look, the only reason I like Donald Trump is because he makes you feel angry about him. Like I love those personalities. <laughs> yeah, no, there's look. I do, I do look, uh, I do think a lot of the stuff around him is is blown out of proportion. But I do think he's I, last night. <laughs> I actually, I was working and uh, there's, there's a, the, in the tea room. There's a TV and it had CNN on, and I literally watched them like um, basically lie in their car on. Like I watched him talk. And then they took words he said, like, which were about 30 seconds apart, put them together. So it looks like his English is really bad, which his English is bad. His English is terrible. But, 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 but in that instance, he hadn't said what they had put on the screen and they put it together as one phrase to make him, um, to make him look really shit. It's just like, guys, you're quite obvious. Anyway, no, we don't have time for this chat. No, unfortunately, yeah, but my favorite yeah. story of this week is. Hillary Clinton's, um, Hillary Clinton's campaign manager has started his own media company yes. to speak for the 65 million Americans yes. who voted. And it looks like North Korean agitprop. And it's called Verit. Yes. Verit. Right. Verit, I think. Or whatever the fuck it's called. Who cares? It's a combination of vomit and. <laughs> Ferret and irritant. Vomit and um, ferret. No, but so they, they speak for the 65 million people. They don't mm. determine or define who they are. And the reason for being is that people were, were unaware of what Hillary Clinton actually stood for. And until, also she's until, very underrepresented right, in the media. Yeah. And until you, Bernie Sanders fault. Until you go to see the representation in the media, there's a 91% versus 9% representation in, in the mainstream media. Her ideas versus Donald Trump. <laughs> yeah, yeah she, she, she. They're really breaking that. new ground here, guys. Listen, I mean, that is the the best entertainment. Actually, the news channels are just they're they're actually they're leading the. the, the Look, I've the never defense. watched politics like I've watched politics. I mean, I've always like kind of been interested in in whatever, but I've never watched politics like I have in the past two or three years. Purely because it is highly entertaining. I mean, it's superb. Fox News is 
epically entertaining. Like, I love watching Fox News. It is, even if you hate it, it is so entertaining. Very, very entertaining news channel. Very entertaining. Yeah, but it's almost because they're unaware almost. Well, it's like, like, it's like they're unaware of how it's the retarded child being entertaining, right? But, but it's not, not aware, just Fox. But it's what amazes me is it's all of them. They're just like yeah. they're just so out of touch. It's right. ridiculous. I'm sorry. Roman, Roman I need to, leaving I, I need to go. He's gone. He's gone. Rock and roll. Right. Rock and roll. This, Miguel, thank you so much. No, was a, I mean, me, yeah. thank you so much. It was really cool to have you here, listeners. This was completely apolitical. Okay, for the last five minutes, That's completely fine. apolitical. <laughs> I hope you liked the meandering. Not Joe Rogan-ish, but uh, yeah, we just had fun. If you like it, let us know. Yeah, we'll absolutely. gladly have apolitical discussions about things we care about. Yeah, like films. Yeah. Yeah. Right, Miguel, do you want to be found? Yeah, rather you not. Can find me. Twitter. Yeah, you can. Um, or you can go to my website. Rather, and yeah. then at least you can check out some of my work as well. Okay. You know, so give us a link. Give us a. a, a if you go to a, a, a it's www.thingtankproductions. T H I N G. T A N K Productions.com. Cool. Awesome. And we'll, we'll put that in the notes as well. Rock and roll. Excellent. Woods, good to see you. Ramon, goodbye. Get out of here. Yeah. Let me do the wrap up. Uh, so if you've enjoyed the show, you can find us on Twitter and Facebook at Renegade underscore report, Renegade report uh, page, and Renegade report group. Uh, please ignore the noise in the background because Ramon has no radio etiquette. Um, and if you really like the show, uh, you can find us on Patreon and support us. Thanks so much for listening. We'll catch you next time. Cheers. Bye. This is cliffcentral.com.